Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. Welcome to Wonderful. It's a show where we talk about things that are good, that we like, that we're into. And it's summer. It's time for it's time for summer stuff, I've decided. Just yeah, now. although I will say that our oldest son is still in school because D.C. runs a little late. D.C. is doing it different. I get why people here are so sort of worked up all the time. And it's because <laughs> they're always in freaking school. Um, I too would sort of be a little, a little type A, a little uptight if I had school 365 days a year. Well, you know, they start late and then they also have a bunch of those random days off. And so it's not surprising that we're going until basically the end of June. It's just like everybody else is already, you know, Partying, already, you know, smoking dubers by the pool. Pool life, yeah. Eating a whole pineapple. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, our poor boy knows to the grindstone, filling yeah. his mind with knowledge. Yeah. But this is this podcast is like a little summer break for you, not for our son. He can't listen to it because sometimes I cuss on it. And not for me because it's very much work. It's very much work. You, the listener. You, the listener, get to enjoy our <laughs> work. You're the one who, but we are, who's our Pagliacci the Clown man, I think is the guy's name. Do you have uh-huh. any small wonders? Um... I'm going to say the HBO, or sorry, Max, the Max series, uh, Smartless. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. We watched the whole thing. I was really thinking it was going to be like a promo for the podcast. Yes. But it was actually filmed like very intentionally to like capture, you know, some of the like challenges and like unexpected things that happen when you do a podcast on tour. And it was super fun watching it with Griffin, who was like- was like knuckles, white knuckled through some of it. Some of the episodes were, t- were quite challenging. It, obviously, like we are, they, they're on another echelon of uh, yeah, they know, had fame like a and success. private plane and yeah. like the penthouse suite at hotels. Yeah, and, so it's not yeah. exactly a one to one. But I mean, uh, you know, seeing them talking backstage about the show, either what they're going to do or how it went at venues, I would say. Uh, over half the venues that they performed at we have done yeah. right and so seeing that same backstage area and seeing them be very seeing these very famous men be very nervous about doing a live show yeah. made me feel seen in a way that i don't know any uh like <laughs> media and trying to figure used. out like what tone they wanted to have with the audience and how they wanted to engage the audience was something that you all definitely had to figure out for yes. several years i would say they also fucking bomb one of their shows <laughs> yeah like completely bombs and it's it is uh it and was, they show it like they show people like leaving and like grimacing in the audience. <laughs> and then the whole next episode is them kind of trying to recover, yeah. trying to pivot for the rest of the tour. Yeah, it, it's uh, it it was re- it was genuinely kind of a challenging watch mm-hmm. for 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 me. But I am glad that we watched it because I've I've never really seen uh, a, a a version of the same kind of stress. I still get terrified to go on yeah. stage like every time and seeing you know incredibly famous successful yeah. like will arnett going through the same exactly thing, now of. time now next time you get nervous before you can think you know jason bateman jason bateman of hollywood mayor gets, jason bateman <laughs> <get> also yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna say spider-man and, uh, across the spider-verse yeah. when took henry to see it this past weekend sadly we were in there when the big dc sonic boom happened so like everybody's talking about where were you when the big sonic boom there's a big there was a jet that flew very fast 
over DC. And it was loud. And it was very loud. Um, I think I think there's some question as to what actually I don't know. This may there was be a conspiracy. Cessna that like went kind of went kind of unresponsive, right? I and was so reading and I, again I don't know if this is conspiracy or not that it like plummeted like a huge distance from the sky and then regained the Cessna or the F sixteen? The, the, the plane. They're both planes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, I don't know anything. The movie was sick. Uh, it, it, I, I, I went into it reading nothing, which I'm glad that I did, and I'm not going to talk like a ton about it. I was not, I think, prepared for the fact that it is the the second part of what a trilogy, right? Like, oh yeah, because yeah. um, the the first movie didn't necessarily have that vibe like the first movie was definitely stood on its own as its own thing and is you know one of my favorite animated movies of all time and this one is much more like building the infrastructure of the of the trilogy uh so henry i think struggled with it a little bit also because it was a little bit more sort of intense a little a little scarier i would say than the yeah first film. i will say that i mean you didn't want to spoil it for yourself but i did have a moment where i was like but we are bringing our six-year-old son maybe you should spoil it a little bit just to like be ready yeah i mean i'm it, it's not a thing where i like it was so scary that i regret taking him and there is definitely a lot in there that he adored yeah um, there's a lot of spider spider people in this one and some of them he was just I, it, there's a joke in there there's in, infinity jokes in there but there was one in particular that made him absolutely uproariously like lose control with yeah. laughter which i've never seen him do in a movie theater before which yeah. is really great. but i mean i adored it and i can't wait for the next one and um i think you'll like it too i would watch it again yeah once i mean i liked to, the first one a lot yeah um so yeah i go first this week my topic this week that i'd like to discuss with you and everyone at home is tupperware <laughs> And I should be clear, I'm not talking about the brand. I feel like I, ha I have no affinity for the brand. We yeah. have many storage tubs, right? But there is no, you know, Kleenex Band-Aid, like, uh, generic I know, I was term. trying to think what that would be. I mean, a lot of what we have is, like, when I think of Tupperware, I think of plastic. A yeah. lot of what we have is actually, like, the glass Glassware, container. which is obviously, like, the shit. Obviously, the way to go. I'm talking about... You know, uh, a container, modular that... food storage, okay. small, small arms, <laughs> food storage solution, yeah. uh, Tupperware. Man alive, I love a good Tupperware. I love uh, the sound it makes when you seal it up. Satisfying every single time, mm -hmm. that pop. We got, we have some pretty heavy duty glass Tupperware stuff that when you snap that shit shut, it like lets you know, like, do not, don't worry. The stuff you've put in here is good now. <laughs> You, there is no doubt about it. I've had some shitty Tupperware in my life where I'm like, uh, did that really seal? Is yeah. that gonna, not this stuff. We got that real, we got some Pyrex shit. We got some, you know, Ikea, giant Ikea set that we got <laughs> for like 20 bucks. Um, so obviously Tupperware, not the first food storage solution in human history. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure people were like- It was like, a leaf, right? It was a leaf, yeah. It was a leaf and then they- they use some vines to tie it around their leftover pizza. Yeah, they would tie vines and leaves around that. No, I mean, you know, you got like salt curing and burying, you know, jars of food in the ground <laughs> and all that jazz. Um, I'm not going to go back quite that far, uh, but Tupperware did sort of revolutionize the whole leftover game when it was invented in uh, 1946 by Massachusetts's own Earl Tupper. Didn't know. Oh, that's nice. Did not know that that was a, a dude's name. Gosh, I bet there are ancestors out there, or rather progeny out there, 
that introduce themselves as Tupper. Everyone's like, oh, like the where? And they're like, yes, yes actually. actually. yes." My dad, billionaire <laughs> Earl Tupper. Actually, no, if he found much finance. I mean, this is a very successful product. He actually came up with uh, these plastic containers made out of polyethylene, you know, little uh, pellets that he could melt down and turn into these very secure containers all the way back in 1938. Wow. Um, but he did not bring them to market until he could figure out how to make them sort of financially viable which would come in the form of the Tupperware party. Um, yeah. This yeah. is probably one of the more sort of remarkable, like direct marketing tactics uh, in consumer history. Was this like our parents' generation or was this before them? So this was like uh, 1951 when, okay, is so sort of when things got yeah. uh, started to kick off. Um, and for a Tupperware party, basically like folks, typically like 1950s housewives, generally speaking, would host parties for their friends where they could come over and demonstrate and more, more notably sell Tupperware to earn, you know, a little bit of dosh for themselves. A little bit of that, um, you know, Mary Kay. I'm assuming not nearly as intrusive <laughs> as all that because you're not subscribing to Tupperware, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, although I've never been to a party like that. You have, right? You've been to like a party that one of your friends... No, I feel like... I, I have been to someone's house that was selling Mary Kay um, as a young person. I went with my mom and I remember that very vividly. Uh, Did you feel pressured? I guess not if you were like- I a, was a child. A child, yes. yeah. They didn't have uh, like Mary Kay for kids. <laughs> K for kids is like, good. Like there's something there. I mean, I was old enough. It must have been like a young teen because I was old enough where makeup was of interest to me. But right. yeah, I didn't feel like I- had to buy a lot. Um, so the, the the Tupperware party formula was sort of further developed and popularized by a woman whose name is Brownie Wise, which is a lot of good names wow. in this story. Uh, and she sort of took the initiative to host a, a ton of Tupperware parties and jubilees. And uh, so she was named VP of marketing for Tupperware in, in 1951 after kind of catching Earl Tupper's attention. What's a jubilee? I guess just a big like Tupperware festival. What I can <laughs> carnival find. rides, a big you know? carnival of Tupper of Tupper celebration. Um, it, it, this still exists today, right? Like Tupperware is still a brand that exists today, and they do have like direct to consumer Tupperware peer to peer. I guess multi level uh, <laughs> sales things and big jubilees where the like top sellers of Tupper products uh, are are recognized and awarded for their valiant yeah. efforts in the fight against staleness. <laughs> um, and it, it that that sort of legacy is kind of a mixed bag because on one hand it you know absolutely was a a gendered thing that kind of pigeonholed sellers in this traditional you know, domestic lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, that still exists today. The Abs whole like LuLaRoe thing was yes. like, let's target women and make them feel like they're in business for themselves when actually. <laughs> right, but on the other hand, there is a read on this where, you know, it was post-World War II, there were a lot of women who were coming back from the wartime workforce yeah. who, you know, didn't didn't have uh, a, an avenue for that, for that yeah. interest or that effort. And so- you know, they could become Tupperware salespeople and it would give them an opportunity to stay, you know, gainfully employed uh, in a manner of speaking that, you know, otherwise they, they would not really have access to. Um, yeah. And it's the kind of thing like obviously there is an opportunity to make money in this kind of environment. You know, you just you have to be a salesperson, you right. know, and not everybody is. No, of course not. Um, I don't really care so much 
about the history of, of Tupperware yeah. as, a, as a company beyond that, because frankly, we don't use Tupperware anymore. We we got some some that Pyrex shit. We got some Loctite. Um, which Did you really keeps it fresh? I have very strong memories as a child of microwaving things in Tupperware. And then after some time. There would be like a stain around it. Oh, sure. Uh, and then it was like, oh, well, now it's time to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, we have this glass stuff now that I feel like we have had forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we get that stuff and it lasts a really, really, really long time. The only reason we ever replace it is if like we lose, lose it. If we like, well, and the lids and, can get kind of icky. The lids can get a little bit icky, but it takes it certainly much, much longer yes. than that you know, much flimsier plastic that would eventually turn. If you put that sweet spaghetti in it once, that shit is now (laughs) pink, like the rings around the tub in Cat in the Hat. Like Mm -hmm. it gets, it gets kind of gnarly, but you know, in our house growing up, that would not be a reason to throw it away. It would just be like, yeah, you put your, you know, (laughs) leftover meatloaf in the pink Tupperware that has been sauced Uh up. Yeah. Now Um, it's, now it's the red sauce tub. Right. We had a whole cabinet. Just chock a block full of Tupperware of course, growing up, yeah. mismatched uh, Tupperware. Occasionally, we would do like a clean out where just like almost all of it would go because for whatever reason, none of it matched anymore due to the well, ravages. Of time. Yeah, and your your mom would make like the big meals, right? Like the oh ones, yeah, yeah. Like if if you came we were from riding house. those things hard and putting them down wet. <laughs> Absolutely. We also did the extremely folksy thing, or my mom did, I guess. And I'm curious if this was an experience for you, if it was solely a sort of Appalachian Southern thing of using uh, containers of country crock butter spread as Tupperware. Oh, my grandparents did that. If you're not familiar, because I don't even know if t- country crock exists. I probably could have Googled that before hopping into this, but... They were these big tubs of butter spread uh, that we always had. Uh, We always at least had one tub of usable country crock at any given time. But they were like pretty big, pretty, you know, nice consumer plastics grade containers uh, that we would also have a few in the fridge at any time. Uh, one of which I remember was a smaller Tupperware container that just always had like sort of reclaimed bacon grease uh-huh. would go into that one Tupperware. And so like whenever we cooked eggs or anything like that, like we knew we had we had the country crock container of bacon grease. It did get a little bit dicey, though, when it's like I'm going to have myself a roll and you pop open yeah. a country crock <laughs> and there's just like, you know, fucking ravioli in there for some uh-huh. reason. Um, but that was. That was always very charming to me. And it has messed me up a little bit whenever I see country crock. I just assume like there's no way there's actually butter spread in there. Um, But yeah, I love the convenience of it. I love uh, post-dinner cleanup is a lot easier when you know you can just pull out one of these sweet glassy bad boys and just dump it. We have so many different. We don't have an excessive amount, right? Like we don't have a whole giant cabinet full of mismatched. We have like our shit is pretty well maintained. We have a drawer and we have a lot of different sizes and depths. And there is a lot of satisfaction I get when I pick out the like perfect, Uh like I just no scope it. Like I look at how much, you know, leftover ground beef there is in this thing. And I say, oh, we're going to pull out 
the size four depth <laughs> grade to the two and a half inch deep uh, circular Tupperware for this one. Because that's also exactly how much room we have in the fridge. When you get that match, that perfect sort of guess, and it just gets in there just yeah, right. of it's course. So Nothing worse than filling up a Tupperware, and then there's like just enough left in the pan that you're like, well, fuck, I don't want to have sullied this. That's always very disappointing. But I feel like that is... More often than not, I'm able to just split the uprights perfectly, and that's very mm-hmm. satisfying. Tupperware, I love it. I love opening up the fridge and seeing a little uh, beautiful museum of, mm-hmm. and we don't always get around to it. Yeah, I will say, <laughs> this is a hot topic for us. Uh, Griffin, after about two days, doesn't want a leftover I, anymore. Uh, it's extended for me. I feel like three day. I now three? have like a three-day grace okay. period. Past that. I tend to push it a little bit, and I have regretted it. Yeah, I definitely, I err on the side of caution just because of the way that my gully works function mm-hmm. and their sort of sensibility um, or sensitivity. I think my gully works have their own <laughs> sense and sensibility. Um, but yeah, that's Tupperware. I love it, man. I love I love Tupperware, and I'm not afraid to fucking admit it anymore. Well, I know what you're getting for Father's Day. I hope not Tupperware, actually. We're good on that. You said you loved it. I love this sh- the stuff we have now. I love our two sons. I don't want more okay, sons. You know what I mean? That's good. Anyway, can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um there for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow. background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. Hey there, this is Drea Clark. This is Alonzo Duralde. And this is Sparta! Iffy! Listen, I got 300 on the brain. We just watched the movie 300 in honor of our 300th episode of Maximum Film. That's right. And to celebrate this major milestone, we brought back original co-hosts Ricky Carmona and April Wolf. But just for this one episode, right? Oh, Iffy, you know we could never replace you. Some of the voices have changed over the years. Heck, the name of the show has changed too. But through it all, Maximum Film remains the, the movie, movie podcast, podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white guys. Deal with it. Find this and all 300 episodes of Maximum Film anytime on MaximumFun.org. I put mine on the phone today. Oh, so we're gonna see if I can hang with this. How cash? I always do it from the phone. I know feel, you I feel do. Very cool. I do the laptop, uh, which is a little difficult, I think. And it burns your lap when you stand up after recording. Your lap is just blood red. Beat red. Yeah, my laptop from 2007. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is one of those things. There are a couple sites I go to when I'm like looking for topics. Uh, and one of the ones I really like is Mental Floss. Yes. Uh, because they pick kind of surprising things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I typically don't choose because I from there because, you know, a lot of times I'm like, I'm not actually excited about airplanes. Right. Uh, but this one I was. This is from a article that just came out last week uh, about scratch and sniff. How have we not done scratch and sniff before? It just feels very like in you our wheelhouse. You think we have? Oh, I don't know. You know what we did? Smell-o-vision. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, this isn't that. Okay. I mean, I guess it could be. I don't know how smell-o-vision worked. It was, you, you had a little scratch and sniff card that you would go see. Okay, well, it. let's, hey, let's talk about how that worked. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> because if I had to ask you how does scratch and sniff work, could you answer? I think there's like a little waxy seal over the smelly thing. And when you break that, it frees the, the smell of, particles inside. Kind of like that. Okay. But don't you want to know more? <laughs> <laughs> this is my new favorite segment of yours. And it's you trying to justify <laughs> the existence of scratch and sniff as its own standalone segment. After smell-o-vision happened, which touched on this, the scratch and sniff sort of phenomenon. I mean, there's a lot more <laughs> to the story. Do you want to pivot? No. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. If you're, if you're really an expert, you feel free to jump in. Yeah, sure. 
And this was it, this episode that we did this on was a very very long time ago. So you know maybe I've maybe everybody is uh, maybe if I hadn't said anything, now people probably would have probably noticed. probably yeah. would have. Okay, some of this you probably did cover, okay. so I'll I'll race through it. So, and it does sound familiar now as I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, my love. Do you want to just talk about the television show that you were thinking about doing as your segment? No, I think we should finish it. Just, okay, uh, Just fine. a heads up, there is a television show I got very excited about last night, but we have not finished the season, and I yeah. want to make sure that it turns out okay before I talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, Scratch and Sift started by 3M. Microscopic capsules uh, were used in this carbonless paper, and then the pressure of the writing implement would cause the capsules to burst. Writing which was- implement? Who scratches a scratch and sniff with like a pencil? We're not talking about we're not talking about scratch and sniff yet. Oh, okay, we're talking okay. about 3M was looking at like a carbon copy. You remember these things? Yeah, sure. Uh, and they were using microscopic capsules of colorless ink uh, instead of the carbon. That seems uh, and it really would, inefficient. It would burst. So kind of like you know how like the only thing I can think of that still exists, and I just saw it, is in a checkbook. There's like that little paper underneath yeah, to sure. keep it. It's kind of like that. I've always wondered how that worked. Um, okay, so 3M was like, hey, look at this microcapsule technology. We could put more in there than just ink. And so they took scented oil <laughs> in polymer <laughs> bubbles and they could print aromas alongside words and images. How did they not call it st- ink? Is my question. <laughs> Stink. Stink. They probably discussed it. They probably, that had to come up. There's no way that I was the and first one. And then they decided one. that probably isn't the most appealing no. way to talk about it. And so um, scratch and stiff technology has been around since 1969, which hmm. kind of blew me away. Like I associated very much with our childhood. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that I imagine it probably came about as part of the space race. Just like... So much technological innovation came around from our desperate need to reach. If we the go moon. to the moon and there's life there, we want to make sure that our space shuttle smells like America. After we apply a little bit of force to the to the surface of it, <laughs> come here, alien life form. I want you to smell this the hamburger. aliens will pull out like fucking laser blades and like cyber helmets and shit, and be like, "Oh, we'll check this out." Fresh cut grass. <laughs> Uh, so obviously chemists had to, to help create these either with essential oils or synthetically. Uh, and they started cataloging a library of like new car and bubble gum. Right. Which like for the context of me, like I know this is a sticker, like a little strawberry sticker that smelled like strawberries. It seems weird to me that you would want to scratch something and smell new car, but. I mean, it seems, you must understand, it seems weird to me. As an adult, the impulse to want to scratch something and smell smell it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't go around seeking out smells, except, <laughs> I mean, we have candles for that, right? Like, we've in room, room spray. Well, but a lot of times, what I find helpful about it as an adult is a lot of times if that is available to you and you can't open the package, you know? So, like, if you were buying a product and it's, like, scratched to smell what this room diffuser is going to smell like. That is helpful. It's helpful. What would be dope is if we had smell recorders. And so, like, if we're, okay, we go to Disney World, we go to Wilderness Lodge, and, you know, we're having making beautiful family memories, and it has a sort of distinctive scent. Uh I pull out the stink 
recorder and I capture it. And then anytime I want, I can smell it and I can smell that memory. You're calling it a recorder. Like a stink recorder. But it seems more like a a jar to me. Well, no, because a jar is not going to, I don't think that is actually, I don't think that actually works. I think, oh, where you can hold something in a jar? <laughs> well, a smell in a jar. I don't think that that actually functions. Not that way. not after you open it, I'm sure. No, yeah. I want to have immediate you access. You want a recorder. Yeah, a stink recorder. <laughs> you want an archive of smells. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's asking too much. Uh, so the one of the earliest uses of this was a picture book published in 1971, Bunny Follows His Nose, where the bunny rabbit would explore various outdoor scents like roses, peaches, pine needles. Great. Uh, oil capsules were embedded in the book's pages, uh, and you could you could scratch and travel along with the bunny. Uh, this is what I didn't realize, but it makes sense now. Obviously, this kind of technology is what like perfume swatches mm. are all about. So, like in a magazine, this is another memory I have from like high school: is getting like a like a Cosmo magazine, and there's like six different perfume samples in there, and you open the little flap, and then you're like, oh, I do like that. I remember reading a Nintendo Power magazine that had an advertisement for this sort of irreverent JRPG called Earthbound. And I'll never forget yeah. it. And you could scratch it at one part of it and it smelled like a fart. And it was like the oh. worst thing I've ever smelled in my life. And then I was like, I got to get this fucking video game, man. <laughs> how how were those related? Was it just like a gimmick or did it relate to the game in some way? There's a, there's a character in it that's like a big pile of slime. And I, I think it was like you scratch. I, I don't know. I'm, I will have to Google this later because now I'm feverishly trying to remember what it was. There are a lot. So there are a lot of video games that use this. Strangely, when I was looking it up, uh, Gran Turismo 2 and FIFA 2001 had a scratch and sniff disc. The fuck? Not really related to the game at all. Leisure Suit Larry. That doesn't surprise me. That dude's fucking nasty. scratch and sniff card with nine different scents. Okay, but a disc is like... I can't think of an object that exists Were on you Earth that Earthbound? you want to scratch less. Yeah, Earthbound. Okay, here it is. Uh, one contained a mystery scent. If the player guessed the scent and, s- <laughs> and sent it into Nintendo, they could receive a prize. The scent turned out to be pizza. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what I... If, for an advertisement, is that what it was? Like an adver- like a promotion? Or was it the cartridge itself? Uh, can't be the cartridge. Six scratch and sniff cards. Okay. Okay, I don't know why I remembered smelling a fart. Maybe that well, was just like let in, me the, keep looking in the here. air tonight. <laughs> There's several games on here, but I don't know that I'm going to find I feel like Toe Jam and Earl probably has some sort of stink-based. Yeah, those, Booger, those are all Man. the ones. There are a lot of yucky games from like that 90s <laughs> Super Nintendo Genesis era yeah. that were just kind of like yucky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can still find this today, but it's not as popular as it was in like the 1980s and 90s. And I still, I mean, I still love it. I was just at the store the other day and there were all these products and it's like, how am I supposed to, like room diffusers, the reason it came up is that's what I was looking at. Yeah. Was like, this one smells like, like ocean. And I was like, well, that could be good or it could be really, really bad. And I wish I could smell this right now. Yeah. I couldn't. In a, in a contained way, right? Like you don't want all those products blasting off all in, t- like if you walk down that aisle, you would die no i want specifically you scratch want a little and sniff. scratch and sniff so yeah. it's up to you you decide how the smell comes out and into your nose mm-hmm. and i mean hopefully i remember this about scratch and sniff too and i guess it makes sense now knowing about this micro capsule thing is that eventually the smell was just not there anymore it, yeah 
Uh, and it makes sense now that if you like burst every little micro capsule, you wouldn't be able yeah, to. Yeah, no more stink capsules in there. No more stink. That's a shame. Mm. They should send, there should be a subscription service. So when you finish your. Get new stink every month. Little little bunny finds a stink when it runs out. <laughs> you can send it back to the factory and they'll re-stink. They'll re-stink. I need it more stink. I need more stink. Please <laughs> spray it with whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It's NASA. How you guys figured this out. <laughs> Um, that's it for our show this week. Footloose and Fancy Free, it felt like to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I'm I'm sure you're grateful now that I talked more about yeah. the sense. Next episode, join us when I talk about Sniff and Scratch, which is a different, <laughs> a fully different, totally different subsidiary. By M3. By M4. Uh, oh, okay. Who did this one. Um, <laughs> thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for how, ha- whoa. What did our listener at home send in? Well, let me thank our our okay. Maximum we fun. haven't decided on the order here. I always no, assume it's jazz, baby. <laughs> I always assume when you start thanking people that our show is over. Anna says, "Hello, Rachel and Griffin. As a teacher, my small wonder is when students learn something about you and remember it, like a snack you love or your favorite movie. It makes you feel appreciated and seen." Oh wow! I'm trying to think if I can remember anything that my teachers liked. Hmm. Uh, I remember in high school, because I feel like in high school, I had a few teachers that were like, they were allowed to decorate their room a little yeah. bit. And we definitely had one who, um, she was not the best teacher, but she <laughs> had a lot of like quotes from Firefly on the wall okay. and, I remember, and Buffy and stuff. And I remember yeah. thinking like, oh, all right, all right. I get, that was the first time I think I realized that teachers also liked like this, the same kind of stuff that uh-huh. I potentially liked. No, I had a eighth grade English teacher who had like a Fuji's poster on her wall, Fuck which yeah. felt like she was trying though, because she she did not seem like the coolest. Well, person. Fuji's had crossover appeal, I think, <laughs> forever. And then I had a physics teacher in high school that liked moon pies. Uh, oh, again, God. not a particularly good teacher, but but full of novelty. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Micah says, my small wonder this week is playing Frisbee golf. It's such a fun way to spend some time outside with friends at our local park. None of us are very good, but that just makes it all the more satisfying when the disc catches some major air and flies a good long distance. I have played this game once and I wasn't good at it because the Frisbees are weird. They're like they really different. Thin, they're like little thin crust Frisbees. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. I just felt like any Frisbee based... I feel like more than any other sort of pseudo sport diversion, Frisbee is the one that I feel the most self-conscious about playing because it like my, I don't have that kind of Bodhi lifestyle Uh about, I don't have that vibe about me. And so I worry about the sort of like perceived authenticity of it. Whoa. That's, but I mean, that's me, man. (laughs) That's just the way I rock. Um, I was just thinking it's the kind of thing that it's like a skill you don't really build much outside of the specific game, you know? So it's not like another sport where you can kind of be like, oh, well, I've run before, so I might be good at this. It's like, well, yeah. no, I don't typically throw things this way. And so yeah. I really have to put the time in. Yeah. I, yeah. If you're not good at throwing a Frisbee, there's like there's like one good way to throw a Frisbee and like 900 really bad ways. And so <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to sort of dial in sometimes, but it, it does look really fun. Yeah. It does look like the kind. I like golf. 
I don't play it like ever, but it's fun to make a thing go a really long way into a target. Yeah. And with Frisbee golf too, or whatever you want to call it, disc golf, you don't like have to buy a whole big bag no. of clubs. No, you just need <laughs> what? 18 different kinds of Frisbees yeah, for the different. <laughs> that is what boggled my mind. when We went to play with our friend Evan. Uh, Did he have a whole assortment? He had a few. He had a, He definitely had like a driver and a putter frizz. Um, which was confusing to me, but delightful. Um, thank you so much for listening. I already thanked everybody for all their shit. We yeah. have some live shows coming up later this month in mm-hmm. uh, Raleigh and uh, Richmond uh, that we would love to see at. We're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con next month with Mabim Bam and Taz if you want to come out and see us. I think we'll be doing other stuff there too. Travis and I are going to be at Awesome Con here at DC uh, next weekend. Uh, and we would love to see you there. We're going to be doing some signings, some photos, some panels, uh, and it's it's going to be uh, real neat. And um, that's going to that's going to do it for us. All that stuff's at macroy.family. If you want to come check it out, we have merch over at macroymerch.com. Some new stuff for the month of June uh, that just just hit the shops, including a Schlebethany uh, design. And I saw there's like, like a 10 year anniversary of Sawbones, yeah, thing, which I didn't realize has been around that long. Yeah, but here Saw- we are. Yeah, here we are. Well, here they are. We haven't been around for 10 years. I guess if you combine Rose Buddies into it, oh God, I don't know. We've been doing it a while. Still not 10 years. Not close. But um, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. It was so good to see you. So good to see you. So good to see you. So good to talk you. I think is the better. So good to talk you. Uh-huh. Seems like you didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could just say talk to you. So good talk you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.